Welcome to the City Park Church Podcast. We are changing the culture of the city through the message of hope. Please share at cityparkchurch.com how God has touched your life through our messages. Thank you for listening. For yearly 2017 receipts for your giving, if you need that, for your taxes. You may not need to itemize because Trump has raised the level. <laughs> so thank God for that. Anybody here because of the, um, the new laws, anybody here get a raise? Anybody get bonus? <laughs> I know Benjamin got a raise. So thank God for those, those changes. God is blessing America. Amen? Amen. Anybody believe that? Yes. We are a blessed country and we're moving forward. So I just thank you for your giving. Um, As I look at the giving records, I want to encourage you that if you have not tried to tithe and believe God to do that in 2018, um, I will say this, that the 20% that do tithe, which is pretty normal and average for the American church, should not be the norm. So, and the 20% can't continue to be the main givers for the 80%. And so, literally, if that 20% decided to leave or retire or go to another church, our income would, boom. So, if everybody does their part, guess what? Then we would literally, if everybody tithes, we would literally have an abundance to do whatever. We could actually hire someone. We could actually pay somebody part-time, like like my wife. Amen? You know, she's never gotten paid, right? Uh, maybe uh, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, or, or Benjamin. You know, we could actually begin to do those things, which literally is our goal. So as you give, we would like to do those kind of things and, uh, and move forward as a church. And that's what your giving helps us to do. And they're, they're certainly, worth their, um, certainly worth what they give to this church. Amen? Thank you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So are you ready to give? Okay. 10% plus offerings. Let's go for it. You can give on your phone as well. We appreciate you doing that and those who do that faithfully. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the givers. Thank you for those who know that tithing has got them to where, where they're at in their lives financially. But I thank you, Lord, as people begin to step out in faith, and do that by faith, even though it just doesn't make sense in their head. I thank you they know in their heart that it's right. And I thank you, Lord, that you open up opportunities for them for increase. Lord, I have seen over the years those that do tithe consistently, that their income has gone up consistently, and their financial opportunities have as well. And I pray for those who need breakthrough, that this is their breakthrough. As they put God first, And as they give of their first fruits, I thank you, Father God, that you do open up the windows of heaven in their lives for raises and bonuses and blessings. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Some of you only uh, give 5%. I I can see that in the records. Why not 10? Let's move it up to 10. If you've got to go up to 7, fine, but why not 10? And why not test God? Because what I know is when you begin to do those things and you begin to obey God, breakthrough does happen in your life. It does happen. I've seen it consistently in those who do give consistently over the years. So I want to encourage you to do that because God's word works. I wouldn't be standing up here if that wasn't true. Amen. Hallelujah. So I just wanted to say, some of you gave to um, a need we had. We had a, um, a family in our church that had um, a leaking roof, and there was so much generous generosity from you. And on Sunday, last Sunday, we had that privilege to give um, the check to the, that family. And the tears of joy and thankfulness towards God was just um, so rewarding. And I had the privilege <laughs> with my husband to do that, and it, it, that was one of the most 
beautiful moments for me to just bless someone and take care of a need that they couldn't take care of themselves and so give God the glory that he came through and you guys came through. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for uh, putting into that and um, that's what church and that's what family is all about and bless you for that. Amen. All right, so we got a couple things happening this week and um, the women's event is happening this week, okay? Come on up here, Sabila, again. This Thursday night, I know that um, I'll let her talk about it because she's much better at it. All right. This Thursday night, 7, I would love to see every woman in this church and all your friends and family members. Obviously, they have to be ladies but uh, because it's a women's event. But it is called Women Win with Wisdom. That's what the Word of God says, right? Women win with wisdom. And I think um, in our lifetime, in, in our season, in where we're at in our world today, that we women need to be equipped. We need to have tools to win. And the Word of God is rich in tools for us to win. If that's relationship, if that's job, if that's children, if that's aging, if that's seasons in life, if that's storms in life, God wants us to win and he wants women to win because he has a soft spot for us in his heart. He created us women. And so I, I hope that you can all come. Um, I believe the Holy Spirit will be ministering life to everyone that comes. And there will be friendship and laughter and just a night out that we all, we all need. So bring, bring your lady friends and let's just believe God for an encounter with wisdom, because he is wisdom. And, be, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that wisdom. That helps us tremendously. So um, let's make the house full with uh, praise to God from women. That's awesome. So um, other things that are happening, if we have any visitors here today, um, lift your hand, because the ushers will have a white card. If you fill that out, you get a free coffee at the end of the service. So you might want to take advantage of that. We'd love, we're, we're so happy you're here. And um, we, oh, you need to raise your hand more. I see maybe one, there's one. <laughs> I knew you were new. That's Brett's dad. We welcome you today. So anybody else? Awesome. Uh, we always love to have visitors because we know God has a special word for everyone in this house. So tonight actually will be next step class uh, at 6 to 8. If you haven't gone through that class, that helps you know what the church is all about, what the vision of the house is all about, and where your place could be in it. Uh, we welcome you at our house from 6 to 8. And then next Sunday uh, is the Easter planning meeting, the Dream Team Rally. So everyone in this house that is uh, working uh, in any way serving God in this house, we ask you to come to that Dream Team Rally. And those who are interested in maybe learning more about it, you're all welcome because it's about Easter and we had about six to seven hundred families come last year when we had our Easter egg hunt. It's one of our greatest outreaches during the year where we just really sow into our community and love on the kids and families. And so as uh, you see the blue bu buckets as well, we need lots of candy. Last year, because we had such a storm and, and su such so many people come that we didn't expect. So this year we want to get extra ready. So we will ask you to be generous and bring bags of candy uh, for Easter these next weeks. Uh, also, Pastor Brandon, our youth man, is excited for Generation Unleashed. Um, it's going to happen February 1st to 3rd at the Oregon Convention Center, and it costs 70 bucks. So we have some old-timers come, like Gavi, <laughs> and some younger teenagers. So it's awesome for the younger generation to just say, hey, we need a, a little boost, a little vitamin boost. We need to see what's going on around the world because there's youth groups coming from all of America, and they're uniting. They're filling that convention center, and it's going to be powerful, and uh, powerful encounters and wisdom given for young people. So we're excited about that. Then Easter is really only three months away, I think 10 weeks, and um, make sure you... You're praying for that event, you're inviting people, and you're bringing in your candy. 
And if you haven't done so yet, take out your phone and like us on Facebook and check in and talk, talk, talk. Awesome. All right. Give Pastor Sibylle a big hand. Excellent. I got um, some of these books, Why uh, Tongues, which are available downstairs as well. So if you want one of those for free, um, you can get one in your way out. Basically, just to build your faith of why we speak in tongues, there's 10 reasons for that after we heard such a great testimony this morning. Excellent. All right, you guys ready for the word? You know, um, you guys all know that I grew up Catholic, right? And you prayed certain prayers when uh, you were Catholic. Basically, you, you prayed the same prayers every week in Mass. Now, concerning uh, sin, we, we knew of the word sin back in my day, in my culture. Today, I think they've taken it out of the Webster's Dictionary. It's, sin is no longer there. That's one of those offensive words, right? But... Um, but sin was definitely a word that we prayed and we used on a regular basis. Um, you know, for example, we prayed the Hail Mary. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. <laughs> I forgot the rest of it. But anyway, <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed. Oh, my gosh. I, I had it the other day. Oh, yeah, and, and, and it says at the end, and pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So basically the prayer is asking Mary to pray for you because we're sinners at the hour of your death because hopefully when you die, you end up going to purgatory at least. If you were really good and you went to Mass every week and you took communion every week, you might make it into heaven. So, we were conscious of sin, but we thought if we did everything right and took the Eucharist, because literally we believed the Eucharist was, the, was Jesus and you actually ate Jesus and that was your salvation, it was holy, <clears throat> that, was, that was your salvation, you would go to heaven. So, if you did that every week faithfully and you went to confession, Anybody know what a confessional is? Anybody here Catholic or was Catholic? Okay, good. <clears throat> now, the confessional was this scary box. Right, Vanessa? I mean, <clears throat> and it had three compartments in it. And it was dark. And if you've ever gone into a Catholic church, you probably saw anybody see them. Anybody, if you go into one of those historic churches in Europe, they're there as well. They're all ornate wood and stuff like that and carvings. And, and there's three doors. It's kind of like, what's my line or something like that, you know? Door number one, door number two, door number three. But the door in the middle is where the priest would go in. And he would secretly go in there and close the door. And then you either went in the right or the left side. Now, as a young person... It was scary the first time. They taught you how to do it. They taught you where you go in. And uh, you would go in there, and the priest, because he was in the middle, would open this little window, and you'd hear it go, and you'd be in there, nine years old, looking around. Is this hell? Am I going to die? And you'd see through the screen this shadow. And at first, I didn't know the priest was in there. I'm thinking, is that Jesus? <laughs> or is it the devil? <laughs> and I, you'd have to say this. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. This is, it's been however long, three months since my last confession, and these are my sins. And I, I would go in there because I had to, but I always said the same thing. I always said that I lied to my mother and I stole from my father's box that had the chains on top of the dresser. And he, he would, you know, do his little thing and absolve me and say these little Latin things. And then, and then he would say, you need to pray three Hail Marys and two Our Fathers. So you would leave there. He'd close the window. And then he'd open the other window on the other side because there was someone waiting on the other side. And you'd leave there and you'd be shaking, you know. 
you were forgiven, then you'd kneel down at the altar and you'd pray, Our Father, why in heaven hallowed be your name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those trespasses against us. And lead us not into temptation, but not into the kingdom of the power of the glory. You say it as fast as you could so you could get out of there. Okay, done. Three, our fathers, two Hail Marys. I am absolved. I am free. Another prayer, actually, that we prayed in the Catholic Church every Sunday, which is an amazing prayer. It's called the Apostles' Creed. It's like the, the prayer of salvation, really. And I, I thought about it <clears throat> because I had gotten saved, you know, when I was like 23 and uh, went to another church for the first time in my life. But as I thought about that prayer, the Holy Spirit was ministering to me and said, all you had to do is pray that prayer one time from your heart and, and you would be born again and believe that. <clears throat> And here's what it says. I once had it memorized, but I wrote it down. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell the third day. He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now, in all my years of going to Catholic Church, it was for me, it was just another prayer. Hopefully we can say it really fast. And if the priest is really good, he can get us out of here in 30 minutes. And we, we basically rated the priests that way. If you had a short little message and you could get us out of here fast, that's the time we were going to go to Mass. Because to us, it was just a religion. You know, we had to go. We wanted to at least make it into purgatory. Hopefully, if we died, there was no assurance of heaven, but that's just what we did. We were conscious of sin. We knew what sin was about, yet our church experience was separate from our life experience. Because literally, because we believed that people like Mary or the saints could pray for us at the hour of our death, we didn't need to stay free from sin. We could live like hell all week long and go to church and go to confession and get absolved and get clean and we could go out and do it again. And that's how it was. Not that, that we, 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 were, we were overly sinful. I grew up in an amazing family, you know, a good Catholic family. We went to Catholic schools and, and my parents were amazing people and we had a great upbringing and I have no complaints about that at all. My, my parents didn't hardly drink. Uh, my dad smoked a little bit, but beyond that, I could say the only fault of my father is he fished too much and he ate a gallon of ice cream every night. So, which is not all that bad, I guess, if, if you work hard. Hallelujah. You know, in our culture today, we've tried to eradicate the word sin from our language. Um, Yet the Bible says this, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's like no one's been left out. We've all, we've all sinned. And that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there, there, is, there are wages you get paid for sin. There is a reckoning as we live in sin. There, there's a reaping of sowing sin. Christ gave his life for us to save us from the penalty of sin. You can say amen. Thank you. Little feedback would be great. This is getting to be the deep part of the sermon now. Okay. He, he saved us from the power of sin. Now we're talking about hurts, habits, and hangups. Um, now, when you become, a, let's say you went forward at, at 
an evangelistic meeting and you got born again. But then you kind of went to church and you, you didn't really get plugged into a church and you continue to live like you always lived. But it, it's kind of like the worst position to be in in life. Better had not go forward and getting born again than to get born again and never find out who Jesus really is and how you're supposed to live because the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. He makes the old new. You become a new creature in Christ, but you have no idea on how to live it out. And so you continue to do what you always did and live in and sin and do sinful things, yet you know on the inside something has changed and there's something different because now the Holy Spirit is in there saying, hey, I'm here. I live in you now. This is not good. And you're in this eternal conflict, you know, where you used to have a blast getting drunk and hanging out at the bar and doing what you do without no guilt and condemnation. Now you walk in there with those friends and you're thinking, it's just not the same anymore. There's something different. I, I love you. I love my friends. Uh, they're my drinking buddies. And, but it's just, it's not the same anymore. There's a, inside me, there's this conflict going on. And it's uncomfortable. And so you get to the place where you think you're doing okay with God. You look to the left and you, you look at that person on your left and you look at them and say, well, I'm doing better than them, right? And then, and then you look to your neighbor to the right and you say, well, I'm definitely doing better than them. But then you look up and you realize I'm not doing so good, <laughs> you know? Um, you realize and you think of yourself as a worm or a slime or a loser. And, and you can get in, in a state of... of condemnation and guilt and shame and and the devil can really wreak some havoc in your life it it can be an issue the moment you get born again there's going to be an attack on you you have periods of euphoria you know a few months down the road but the devil is going to come at you with everything he's got because he doesn't want you in church he doesn't want you knowing any more about jesus than you know He doesn't want you to be discipled. He doesn't want you to live a righteous life. He doesn't want you to make changes. He wants you to to keep you where you're at to live that that conflicted life. And a lot of Christians, they just give up. Or they settle for living a nominal Christian life. And it's not fun. And and they get in this cycle of living this, this just normal Christian life. We know that we ought to be good, but it seems like once you become a Christian and you're in that pattern that your bad habits begin to be magnified. Anybody ever experienced that? And that now there's more opportunities to sin and to wallow in the past more than you ever have before. And so you get in this, you get in this dilemma. And you're trying to be faithful, but you're looking over at your other friends and you're thinking, I'm missing out. Look at them, they're having fun. And you're back and forth, back and forth. Look at those sinners having fun. But you know on the inside that sin is deceptive and that the wages of sin is death, not just eternal death, but it's a slow death that happens to you over time that that causes problems in your life. You, You know that sin is fun only for a short season, Because there's long-term consequences. And when you become a Christian, sin is just not that much fun anymore. That's why the Holy Spirit's on the inside saying, Hey, I'm here. I love you. I got a life of freedom for you. If you follow me total freedom. But what I know about God is he's gentle, not pushy. He's knocking, whispering, still small voice, waiting for us to respond. He's got something good for us. If we continue to stay in that that normal Christian life, uh, you know, we get married. (laughs) <laughs> have kids, right? <laughs> and uh, 
We preach to our kids right behavior, and we're struggling with the same thing, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And, and there actually are some people that just want to just end up dying. I'm just like done with this because it gets, it gets hard. And uh, we're not saying it's all going to be a piece of cake being a Christian because it's not. There's a battle. There's a war going on. And uh, God has called us to a life of freedom, but we have to implement that freedom. We have to go after that freedom. Um, the Bible says that God didn't come to give us a list of more things to do. He came to give us life and life abundantly. Amen? And we, when we became born again, we were placed in Christ. I, when I was born again, I, Bob Trombie, died. And it's no longer I, Bob Trombie, that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. Amen? Somebody say, I'm dead. You're a dead man. You're dead to sin. You're a dead person. It's no longer you that lives. It's Christ that lives in you. Hallelujah. You can't live the way you used to live because you're not the person you used to be. Can't do what you used to do. It's not fun. In Christ, we have gained favor from God. But even as a Christian, we still live in these awful fleshly, decaying, stinking bodies. It's like, yuck, that we're trying to exercise and eat right and keep our weight down and stay in shape when we get older so we can do the same things. Yet our cells are being distributed everywhere we go, falling off of us. Our bodies, our mortal flesh is decaying. Hallelujah. <laughs> and someday you can kiss it goodbye, baby. Amen? Whether it's put in a grave or burned, <laughs> you know, and you're put in a pot and sprinkled somewhere, you can kiss that, and when you get to heaven, you get a new one. Hallelujah. That's not going to decay. It's not going to have pain. It'll be an eternal body. But as long as you live on this earth with that body, you're in a fight. There's a a fight going on with your mortal body. Sounds like a video game, Mortal Kombat. It's literally, literally, that's what it is. It's Mortal Kombat. Even though your sin nature was removed when you became born again and God lives in you and the Holy Spirit came to live in you and you're, you are God carriers, you still have sin attached to this flesh. And your body will continue to have urges and want to do things that it used to do. And so you're in a war every day. There's a war. There's a conflict going on every day. There's a battle going on between the righteous and the unrighteous, between the past and the future, between the new Christ who lives in you and the old Bob. And there's temptation. Sin uses God's law to bring condemnation and failure in life. And we find ourselves at odds with God's law. Romans chapter 7, let's look in the Bible, because Paul wrote about this specifically. His personal testimony, like Julie gave her personal testimony, he gave his personal testimony about this exact conflict that he was going through. The great Paul, the great apostle, the great preacher, the great church planter, the powerful one who was bold to stand up in the midst of, of Greek-believing people that had multiple gods and preached there's one God only, and his name is Jesus. And so Paul wrote about, writes about this in chapter 7, begin in verse 9. He says, Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life, and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. The do's and the don'ts that are supposed to bring life in the Old Testament, they brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. 
and through the commandment, put me to death. Put me to death. Interesting. In verse 15, said, I do not, this is what we talked about last week, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Then he goes on to say, in verse 16, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. You struggling, like we all do. He said, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature, or that is in my flesh or my mortal body. Nothing good lives there. For I have the desire to do what is good, and I cannot carry it out. I'm at war. I have conflict. I have the desire to do what is good on the inside because Christ lives in me, but in my mortal flesh, I'm at war with what's going on. Paul had the exact same thing going on. He was at war on a regular basis with himself. He said in verse 19, for what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, he's not saying that when you go home, you can use this scripture as an excuse to sin. Well, Paul did it. Look at He was weak. He failed. So what the heck? Well, I'll just do whatever. I can go to church next week and Pastor Bob can absolve me. And maybe someday they'll build me those three little booths and we can have a little confessional. He used to be a Catholic and wanted to be a priest. Hmm. You can't be angry with your wife and say, well, honey, that was just sin living in me. <laughs> Sorry, whack, whack. <laughs> Teenagers can't come home late at night and they know they're in trouble and say, well, dad, guess what? It's just sin living in me. Didn't you preach that the other day? <laughs> Sorry, I'm late and went to that party. As we evaluate the source of our struggle, we have to learn that sin dwells in our mortal body. And this is not just a self-control issue, although it is. We are either going to live a defeated Christian life or come to the conclusion that I cannot live it out in my own strength. I can't do it by me. I can't just read a self-help book, can't just go to a, a, a class or join a group, all those, although those are all good. Just can't do that. So Paul continues on in verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And then he said this. This is, this is not the kind of confession that we faith, word of faith churches w- would use as our scripture. Paul said this, what a wretched man I am. You can put that on your mirror, Right? I'm going to confess this every day. What a wretched man I am. Oh, poor me. I am defeated. I will never conquer this. I will never get over this. And that's how some people are. I can't win. The battle is too great. The addiction is too strong. I'll never get free from those hurts and those habits in my past. What a wretched man I am. Paul's pretty transparent. It's like, wow, Paul? Paul doesn't say this. He says, well, then what should I do? What book should I read? Why doesn't God help me? Why doesn't God deliver me? See, it's not a what or a how. It's a who. 
Lord, I said it's a who. Not whoville. It's not a Christmas sermon. It's not a what or a how. It's who will rescue me from this body of death. Mm. It's not a what or a how. It's a who. It's not you. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's what Paul says in verse 25. He said, oh, what a wretched man I am. And then he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a who. It's a who. See, when you became a Christian, the power of sin was literally broken over your life. In Christ, I am free. And I have the power in me to say no to sin. And listen, flesh, because your flesh and your, your mortal flesh, it has a voice. A lot of times we just want to blame the devil on everything. And he's ultimately responsible for sin, but your flesh has a voice. And you have to make a decision. You have to either feed your flesh and sin and allow that voice to be stronger or weaker or feed your spirit and allow the spirit of God's voice living in you to be stronger or weaker. The one you feed the most will have the loudest voice. Feed the flesh and you'll continue to to be in the same struggle that Paul was in. But begin to con- and continue on in your relationship with the who. Because see, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A personal relationship. He is your best friend. He is your confidant. He is your deliverer and he is your freedom. And when you get to, when you feed yourself with God's word, and you get to know him, the more you know God's word, the more that you interact with him, the louder his voice becomes, the more power you stir up on the inside of you. And then you can turn, you can say to your flesh and you can say to, say to the devil, no to sin. You can say, devil, you cannot have my lips. You cannot have my eyes. You cannot have my mind. You cannot have my emotions. You cannot have my body. You cannot have me. Hello? You have no power over me. Flesh, devil, and whoever's trying to come after me, you have no power over me. Because Christ lives in me. I am not even alive. I, Bob Tromby, am dead. I'm a dead man. Come on, somebody say, I'm dead. We're celebrating dead people today. Y'all dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because it's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. I am dead. What am I dead to? I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to addiction. I'm dead to narcotics. I'm dead to alcohol. Hello. I'm dead to pornography. Are you out there? Come on. I'm dead to jealousy. I'm dead. I'm dead. I'm dead to comparison. I'm dead to inferiority complex. I am a dead man. And those things don't affect me anymore because the greater one lives in me and greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. Hallelujah. The big one lives in me. I got favor with him and I am saved by grace. Hallelujah. Jesus is for me and not against me. Who can be against me? No one, nothing. No circumstances Nothing can come against me because the greater one lives in me and I've been given authority over everything else. Amen? Christ in me has the power to break habits and sin. There's the authority in my life. He set me free and we just need to walk in that freedom. The Bible says to present yourself as instruments of righteousness, not instruments of unrighteousness. What does that mean? Every day, I present myself as an instrument of righteousness because your righteousness lives in me. I am the righteousness of God. He lives in me. And unrighteousness does not have a hold on me. 
So today as I wake up, I'm presenting my instruments, meaning my body, my flesh, my mind, my eyes, my thinking. I'm presenting those as instruments of righteousness here this morning so that for the rest of the day, I commit in this covenant that I've made with you to serve you with all of my heart and present to you everything as an instrument of righteousness to follow you because that, as I do that, I live in higher levels of freedom every day. That's where freedom lives. When that temptation tries to come against me, it's not coming against me because I'm dead. It's coming against the one who lives in me, Jesus Christ. And he's the victorious one. He lives in me. Coming against Christ in me. Why? Because it's no longer I that lives. Sin, you are not my master. Hallelujah. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Here's something that you can write down. I have it up on the screen. This is what Jesus says. I have given you all you will ever need to live the kind of life you have always wanted. The life that you've always wanted is not found in you, in your intelligence, in your degree, in your experience. It's found in Christ. That's the life that we want. And if all your friends would be transparent, that's the life they would want as well. Yet they're unwilling, unwilling to give up their sin. Okay, a couple more scriptures and then we're going to close and we're going to make a confession together. Romans chapter 6, here's what Paul said in verse 14. Paul came to this conclusion in the midst of his struggle. He said, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. And then I love Romans 11. He said this, in the same way, consider yourselves dead. Dead to what? Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Consider what the King James says, reckon. All you guys are from the South. Reckon. Reckon yourself dead to sin. I am dead, 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 dead. Now you may struggle with sin and temptation. And we are faith people. And we live by faith, right? How do we do that? Well, we're saved by faith by confessing that Jesus is Lord. We're delivered by faith by confessing that we're delivered by the power of God. Even in the midst of the temptation, take this scripture and you say, listen, mortal flesh, old habit. I want to remind you this morning or this afternoon that I'm dead to you. I'm dead to being addicted to sugar. I'm dead to being addicted to whatever. I'm dead to be addicted to my phone. I'm dead to be addicted to to jealousy. I'm dead. Even in the midst of the temptation, you need to call those things that aren't as though they are, and you need to speak to those things on a regular basis and say, I am dead to you. You are not the master of my life. Sin, temptation, guilt, shame, you do not have control over me. Thoughts, bad thoughts, bad imaginations, things of the past. You cannot control my thinking. I am dead to bad dreams and nightmares. This has to stop. This cannot continue. I am dead. I am dead. I am dead. I have a sound mind. Amen? So you got to consider yourself dead. Even though you may not feel dead, you may be in the middle of that temptation. Maybe you're trying to quit smoking and you light up that cigarette and, and you're trying to, trying to quit smoking. In the midst of smoking that cigarette, you know what you need to say? You know what? I'm dead to smoking. I'm dead to this. I don't care if you have to do it for months. Every time you light up, you know what? I just want to let everybody know, dead to this thing. As you consider, if you keep confessing that, You guys laughing at all that? Like, 
I, sm- I told you I smoked for three months. I know how to do it. I'm not, I'm not giving. In the midst of it, you consider yourself dead. Eventually, you'll smoke less and less and less, and it'll eventually go away. You know? You can't keep saying, man, I love smoking, I love smoking, I love smoking. You just got to say, I'm dead. I'm dead to this. In the midst of the temptation, call yourself dead, even though you're in the middle of it. Just say, I'm dead. You may be in the middle of some addiction, and you just need to say, you know what? This is not me. I'm dead. Bob Trombie doesn't live anymore. I'm dead to jealousy over my brother. <laughs> I'm dead to, to this. I'm dead to, dead to grief over, over my mom that's died. I'm dead to that grief. I love my mom. I have good things about my mom, but I'm not going to continue to allow that grief to rule my life and my decisions. I'm dead to grief. I'm dead to that. I've gone through the process. Thank God for the process, but I'm dead to that. I've got life to live. Any of, any, any of those that have lost loved ones, if they're in heaven, guess what? They want you to live on and be productive. Amen? And they're praying that way for you. I'm dead to those things. You need, you need to call your kids dead to it, even though they don't even consider it dead. Speak to them. My kid is dead to that. My kid is dead to drugs. My kid is dead to perversion. Dead, dead, dead. Reckon yourself, consider yourself dead. You know what Paul had to do? He had to do the same thing. Paul was overwhelmed with guilt and condemnation because before Christ, he brought Christians to their death and ruined the families. So here he's preaching the good news of the love of God. And can you imagine as he's preaching, there's some families out there listening to his message who have had young people that were dragged away by Paul's temple army and stoned them to death. And Paul was the cause of it. That's the battle that was going on with Paul. The guilt and the condemnation of what he did before Christ. He had to overcome that. Because the devil was on his case reminding him, how dare you, Paul, stand up and talk about the love of God. Look what you did before Christ. You killed people. You brought them to their death. How dare you be a representative of Christ because of what you did before Christ. And Paul has to turn around and say, listen, flesh, mortal body, devil, I am a new creature in Christ. That was the old Paul. As a matter of fact, my name was Saul, and my name now is Paul. I've become brand new, and in the eyes of God, this is how God sees me. He sees me blood-washed, forgiven, set free, and brand new. The past is gone. I've been forgiven. I've been set free, and I'm living a new life in Christ. And I'm magnifying the Lord in me by prayer, by speaking in other tongues. I'm magnifying the Lord by getting in the word. I'm growing in his, knowing his voice. And the voice of the flesh, I am putting asunder. Flesh, you no longer have power over me. Mortal body, old nature, old self, you're dead. I'm a new person. New, 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 new. I'm a dead new man. Ha, ha, no power over me. Somebody get on the piano, sing some songs. Listen to this. You guys ready? Message Bible, Romans chapter 6, starting at verse 14 or 12. Message Bible says this, Paul saying this, that means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives, Right? Don't even run, give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Little errands, right? (laughs) Little rabbit tracks. I mean, you've been been off of cigarettes for four months. Don't go by your friend's house who smokes because you think you're going to borrow one. Don't run little errands. Don't even go by the store you used to go by to buy it. (laughs) Radical. Throw yourselves 
wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead. It's no longer you that live, it's Christ that lives in you. You've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live anymore. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Hallelujah. And then the title for the next section says, What is true freedom? It says, So since... We're out from under the old tyranny. Does that mean we can live any old way we want? Since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? Hardly. You know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. That's powerful right there. There are so-called acts of freedom that destroy freedom. Well, I'm moving out of daddy's house. I'm moving into the dorm. I'm free. I can party and they're not going to know about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because I don't have to come home. Freedom. When I walk in the door, someone's knocking them up and go, I'm smelling you. Let me check your breath. Live in the dorm. We'll party. It's going to be great. Woo! I got friends in college, man. They drank and drank and drank, and they're still drinking today. They got, they got issues. 40 years drinking. 40 years. And if you look at their life, it's not a life that you want and would ever want. They can hide it good, but on the inside, they're not free. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. Hmm. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives... You've let sin tell you what to do. But thank God you've started listening to a new master. One whose commands set you free to live openly in his freedom. What does that mean? Come out of the closet as a Christian. Hello. Start telling people about Jesus. You overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of your testimony. Tell, tell people what Jesus is doing and has done for you. The more you talk about it, the more free you get. The more you testify, the more free you get. The more you magnify him on the inside and grow in the knowledge of the word of God and of the love of God and in relationship him, with him, the more free you'll be. That's the life of freedom that we all want. Jesus said, I have given you all you will ever need to live the kind of life you have always wanted. That's freedom. Ha. Ha. Freedom. Let's all stand up. I'm going to put a confession up on the screen. It is a conclusion of what I preached on today. I'll put it on Facebook later today. Something that you can say as you reckon yourself dead something you can confess over your life because confession and declaration is so important, not only to confirm the word in you and who lives in you, but also to let your flesh know and the devil know that sin no longer has hold over you. This is my declaration of faith. Are you ready? Because I want us to say it together. I want it to be heartfelt. I want you to say it loud. Not only so we can hear it, but I want every person on the street driving by here too. Are you ready? Ready, begin. When I became a Christian, the power of sin was broken over my life. In Christ, I am free and I have the power to say no to sin. Sin, you cannot have my lips. 
You cannot have my eyes. You cannot have my mind. You cannot have my body. You cannot have me. I am dead and my life is hid with Christ. When sin comes against me, it is coming against Christ who lives in me. Christ has given me all that I will ever need to live the kind of life I have always wanted. Ha! Come on, let's raise our hands up and thank him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us. Thank you, Lord, for setting us free. We thank you, Lord, that hurts, habits, and hang-ups don't affect our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the blood of Jesus that has set us free. The new creature in us. Not the what, not the hows, but the who. It's the who. It's the who set you free. Who set you free? Lord, I want, Paul said this, is one thing is I just want to know him. Just want to know him more and more. Because Paul understood that in knowing him, that was where his freedom was. It wasn't the do's and the don'ts and the, the regulations and the laws. Wasn't the, the, this is not a legalistic church. We don't require you to dress in a certain way. And I don't wear a suit. I apologize, but so what? I love jeans anyway. You know, it's not the do's and the don'ts. It's not the exterior that saves you anyway. It's who lives in you. And it's your personal relationship with him. That's where your freedom comes from. The more you get to know him, the more free you'll be. Amen. Just drop all the lights for me. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just, if you would say, Pastor Bob, I'm ready to make a commitment to the Lord for freedom. There's some things that I've been repetitively doing in secret that I've tried to hide but I know I'm not hiding it from him and I know the effects in my life are taking its toll. And boldly, I just, I'm just going to raise my hand and say, Lord, I, I, I need prayer this morning. That's you, just raise your hand up. I need prayer this morning. I need to be delivered. I need to be set free. I'm sick of living the way I'm living. And I need that power to be broken over my life. So I've tried to do it by myself. I need some accountability. I need someone to help me. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come on up, you guys that are praying. I know we've already prayed and we've already laid hands on people, but those that need some specific prayer, and whatever it is, we don't need to know the details of it unless you want to tell us. But I want to encourage you, because a lot of times that one step forward out of your seat, out of the aisle, and coming forward is a step of faith saying, okay, God, I've raised my hands, but I need to make this next step. I need to make some changes. Hallelujah. There's some of you here that you're living in sin and you need to stop. If you want to move forward with the Lord, you cannot continue to live unmarried. Telling you that. We love you and we're for you. But if you want to move forward, with the Lord, it's time to move out. And I've, I wanted to say this for a number of years. I know somebody, some people won't come back to the church. You're always invited. We're never going to judge you. But I'm telling you by the Spirit of God that you need to make changes. And you know it. The situation is not good. It's not pleasing to the Lord. And you know the inner conflict that I've talked about today is that, con- that exact conflict that you're dealing with. I know you're tied together financially and it's difficult. Understand that. But listen, when you do the right thing, it may be difficult, but God will make a way and he will bless you and you will experience freedom like you've never experienced before. I know it's a tough decision, but I'm telling you, God will bless that decision. It's time to do the right things. If you need our help, we'll be glad to help you. Please, we're not judging you. It's not the case. We love you, concerned about you, but we know that, that those steps and that step needs to be taken. If you're ever going to move forward in God's will for your life, I know many churches won't say that because they're afraid of losing people. I'm afraid of losing you to the devil and to the ways of the flesh.
So if you, we're going to, if you want prayer, just come forward. We'll close the service. Let's just maintain some piano playing and, and some prayer. We love you guys. Praying for you guys this week. Women, invite some friends. Get to the women's event. If you need a support group for drugs, alcohol, Tuesday night, see Wendy up here. Wednesday night, youth group. Things going on this week to help you to magnify the Christ who lives in you.